Hello, welcome to Praying the Word of God. My name is Tay and I'm here to pray through the Word of God with you. Once again, I hope this message finds you well. And I don't know who's listening to this message or who will listen to this message. But I want to let you know that I love you. And no matter what background you're a part of, or whether you're black or white, I want you to know that I acknowledge and understand that there is hurt on every side. And the topic I'm bringing up may be uncomfortable for all of us, but I pray that you still take my hand and sit with me in this moment to give a little time towards seeking God's face through devotion and prayer. Listen, um, I wanted to do a prayer and devotion early in the week, but I've been overwhelmed and honestly engrossed with everything that's going on with the protests and the riots that's happening all around the world even still and even in my own community and I already had a prayer and devotion picked out for this week but the Holy Spirit led me in a different direction and then when I sat down to speak yesterday I didn't realize that I never recorded it go figure But what I'm going to talk about in these next few episodes is taking me in a little bit of a different direction for now. And it's the kind of direction that only those who travel this way would understand. It's an unpopular road. And few find their way to it for fear of being rejected by their communities or ostracized by their loved ones and even hated by those they admire. But I'm taking this approach because, you know, I'm coming out of doing and saying things that please the masses. I belong to the Christian community, but I gave my life to Jesus Christ. So that's who I follow. As I've been watching everything unfold, just like everyone else, I couldn't help but to keep asking God, what role do I play? Because I feel a sense of responsibility for everything that's taken place just as much as those who literally play a part in committing hate crimes. You know, I'm affected by everything that's going on just like everyone else. And just like everyone else, I didn't know what to do. I didn't feel like I was in any position of power or influence to make any kind of change you know so I figured I would resort to prayer 
But you know, my spirit has been at such an unrest over the killing of George Floyd that I couldn't even get myself to pray about much of anything. All I kept thinking about was who all is responsible for this. It's not just the man who killed him. It's not just the three officers who stood by and watched. But there is a system that perpetuates this kind of lifestyle and behavior and it's reflected in every one of us. But you know, one thing I have been praying for is for God to send us wisdom. Because the hate that's attached to the spirit of racism is something our country is far too familiar with. This is nothing new for us. But it's on a level our generation has never seen or had to deal with before. And because I'm a part of the Christian community, I was looking for wise counsel from, you know, elders within our faith who could guide us on how to navigate through this issue and be healed. And I looked around and, you know, personally, I didn't find much of anything. Maybe a few pastors touching on it here and there. But, you know, no one courageous enough to stare it right in the face and call it what it is and give us resources that we need to deal with it. So a few days ago, while I was doing laundry, I came across a group of all white panelists hosted by Bishop T.D. Jakes. And the topic of discussion was titled The Church and Race. And The speakers were Carl Lentz, Dr. Caroline Leaf, Christine Kane, Judah Smith, and Ron Carpenter. Now, I don't know any of these people except one. I know Dr. Caroline Leaf because she is a Christian neuroscientist, and I absolutely love her work, and I study her material. And I was attracted to it because... It was a panel of all white pastors who and leaders who gave their personal point of view on what was going on. And like many other African-Americans, you know, I'm used to talking about my experiences with racism and race with others like me. And I wanted to hear it from someone else's experience. So I stopped and I listened And when I tell you this message healed me and convicted me all at the same time, you know, this message brought clarity, healing, understanding, and it gave direction. Now, please listen, I'm not endorsing this message because he is the Bishop T.D. Jakes, but I'm bringing it up because him and all his panelists spoke truth in love and it convicted me and it healed me and it gave us resources on what to do next to get us out of this cycle and so I encourage everyone to go and watch it 
because right now I don't know about you but I don't want to listen to anyone who's closing their ears and their eyes to the cries of the oppressed because that's not what Jesus did and that is not what we need right now trust me although I'm a stay-at-home mom I am a licensed social worker with a background in clinical psychology and counseling and i know from experience that ignoring a problem minimizing it or pretending like it doesn't exist does not make the problem go away in fact the burden only gets heavier as the problem gets worse and we pass that problem or those problems down to our children and our children's children and it the cycle continues and you know if we don't learn from our history we're bound to repeat it and anyone who's been in any type of counseling any type of group therapy or support group we know that this is healing 101 I want to take the time out to say that I am grateful for this platform God has given me. And because I'm grateful, I thought it would be a huge disservice to anyone who listens for me not to acknowledge all of the distress that we're all sitting in right now in some shape, form, or fashion. We need to acknowledge the pain We need to acknowledge the vicious cycle of racism. And we need to know how to move forward. Because it's not enough to post tweets and have cute little discussions and send our condolences and then move on with life as usual. We need to know what to do. So I gathered five points from their discussion on what we need to do to move our country forward and our communities forward and quite frankly quite frankly the body of Christ forward and i added two more points that i really wish they would have talked about or at least placed a little more emphasis on but i'll get to those later um in this particular series um Now, we know that all four officers were arrested and charged for the killing of George Floyd. Yet, no one is celebrating because we know it's not the first time and people who's been down this road and have seen all of this before, they know it will happen again. So, although we have a victory... We have a lot of work to do. So one of the first things that we need to do is we need to know what to do next. And from what I'm, I gathered, the next step is facing the truth. And although it may be uncomfortable for us and I just want to keep saying that and I just want to keep letting you know that I acknowledge how uncomfortable moving forward is but you know we can't get to change without it and yesterday 
I sent an Instagram post that said, change starts as soon as we are willing to get uncomfortable. We may feel bad about what's going on, so we send out a tweet or we do damage control within our communities, but we won't fully understand how we got here and why we keep coming back if we don't take the time to understand. That means we have to be willing to talk about the elephant in the room. We have to be willing to listen to things we've never heard before. And we have to challenge everything that we've been told about one another by listening to the experiences of someone who grew up differently than you. And one of the greatest truths we need to acknowledge is that although we live in one of the greatest countries in the world, it is true that we carry an ugly past that includes using our faith to enslave, oppress, segregate, hate, and divide. And the reason why we keep seeing history repeat itself is because we don't want to talk about the issue or we prefer to minimize it and one of the worst things that we're doing right now is we speak of it in past tense as if it still isn't affecting our whole nation if we don't talk about the truth in all its entirety we'll be here again you know I like when Bishop T.D. Jakes kept listening, or I'm sorry, kept likening America's relationship with racism to a bad marriage. And he said that the only thing that keeps us together is our silence. And this is one of the most powerful analogies for me because just like a bad marriage not talking about our issues and hiding them and covering them up and pretending like they don't exist you know and shutting each other down the moment something becomes too hard to hear or inviting those whom you disagree with to leave your country it may keep us together a little bit longer but it's not going to make the problem go away Just like marriage, you know, no one gets into it wanting to leave. And although many minorities have a rough past with this country, we still love it just like anyone else. We just want to experience the same benefits of being married to it. Now, as we move forward in facing the truth, we need to realize that although we serve the same God, we do not have the same experiences. And just because you've never experienced something does not mean it isn't taking place right up under your nose. 
For example, whether you're someone who has experienced it or not, elitism and privilege is woven into the fabric of white America. I'm sorry, white Americans, just as much as oppression and self-hate is woven into the fabric of African-Americans. This is why we see that although whites and blacks commit the same crimes, white Americans typically receive less time and are more likely to get away with it. Now, please don't take my word for it. Go fact check it. And I agree that there are many, many good police and we need our police, but we actually do see elitism and privilege in our police systems. And this is the reason why white Americans experience police as good and helpful, while most black Americans see them as anything but And this is also why we're seeing a surge of false 911 calls being made by white Americans against black Americans. And I must emphasize that this doesn't mean that black Americans don't do it too. When you live in a country where whites are more likely to get away with crimes and more likely to be believed... It tells black Americans, basically, if you don't do what I tell you, I'm calling the police who will protect and believe me and they'll deal with you. It's the history and the perpetuation of white Americans committing crimes and getting away with it, along with the slow and unfair justice received when it comes to us. This issue of getting away with crimes did not start with George Floyd. It was the getting away with the brutal murder of 14-year-old Emmett Till, who was killed because he allegedly whistled at a woman. You know, he was found so disfigured that the only thing that identified him was a ring. It was the getting away with the four black schoolgirls who were killed in the Birmingham church bombing. It was the getting away with locking up five innocent black and brown boys for a crime there was no proof for, then labeled as an angry mob called the Central Park Five. It was the getting away with the bloodshed and total destruction of a thriving black business community in Tulsa, Oklahoma, we once knew as the Black Wall Street. Now, this list is endless. Once again, it's not a matter of who commits the most crimes. It's a matter of who's more likely to get away with it. That's contributing to the fury of those who are oppressed. So following that truth comes another truth that we need to face. And that is racism and hate 
is embedded into all of our systems and in all of our communities. And yes, even in our churches. And we are all raised by it. White Americans are being taught and raised in it just like black Americans. We just have different experiences with it. For example, one of the panelists brought up Ahmad Aubrey's case and he was the African-American man who was killed just a few weeks ago by a white father and son while he was jogging. And come to find out, the father was raised by parents who were raised under the Jim Crow era. And for those of you who don't know about this era, I encourage you to please study our history because it's all of our history. So I encourage you to study the history and study the motives behind the Jim Crow era because it's just as much a part of our history and has shaped us as a country, as our constitution. And remnants of it is operating in our systems just as much as our Christian principles and in fact, married to it. Now, the points I gather from the discussion of racism and the church are things that will make us uncomfortable once again. And we'll find that when it comes to this issue, the well runs deep, people. And please don't think that it isn't about me and you. If you're a Christian, this issue has everything to do with you and how you will move forward as a person who bears the name of Jesus Christ. Now, because many of us, black and white, are just waking up to this, we're going to need prayer and guidance. But it doesn't end with that. Scripture tells us that as Jesus is, so are we in this world. 1 John 4, 17. Well, who is Jesus? Not just what Jesus possessed, but how did he operate in what he possessed? When we think about Jesus and the life he lived, we know that a man of prayer was not all that he was in this earth. But he spent most of his time healing and seeking people who needed freedom from bondage and oppression. We say Jesus is love, not just because that's who he is or because that's what he possessed, but we say he's love because he walked in it. And everywhere he went, he acted out his love to those around him. 
And this must have meant that there was a need for it. In order for Jesus to have operated in what he possessed, whether it be healing, forgiveness, freedom, he first had to acknowledge that someone was in need of it. So this means that he didn't shy away or pray away the issues that he seen right in front of him. He used the essence of who he was and he acted. And he called out those who were just as responsible for those who were oppressed and bound. This is a lot. So we have to let that sink in. You know, before all of the rallying and riots started, I was praying with a group of brothers and sisters for a revival to happen in the body of Christ. But no real revival happened where there was no acknowledgement of sin and no true repentance. Once again, I'm still in acknowledgement that this is all uncomfortable for us. And I know that a lot of us who dare to publicize this kind of message are in some kind of fear of what might happen if we speak out or if we say anything against what we've been taught or, you know, anything else. So throughout this particular prayer and devotional series, please let's continue to pray for God's guidance direction and clarity on how to move our nation and our communities forward in a way that edifies and glorifies God and in a way that brings unity and healing and irrevocable change. Let's pray for those who recognize the issues but are afraid to talk about it with their friends and their families and their community leaders. We need to pray for those who's already made a conscious choice to speak out or to help in some way and they're now facing ridicule, being shunned and even threatened by those around them. Let's also pray for those that are perpetuating racism, hate and division in their families and communities, especially if they're a believer And you know, it is possible for someone to be a Christian and battle with racism. And we pray for healing and deliverance for them. You don't know how many people I've come across in my lifetime where they grew up in a Christian home, but the family was also racist against a group of people who were different than them. And... If I'm honest, it's in black families just as much as it's in whites. So yes, it is a thing. 
And so I'm placing a huge responsibility on the church right now because the world does not recognize us. Jesus said, the world will recognize us as his disciples by the love we possess for one another. And if we're ignoring, remaining complacent, or perpetuating racism in any way, the world is not recognizing us. Yes, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. But he also wants us to take it a step further and use who we are towards one another. You know, (laughs) the gospel does not belong to just one group. But it belongs to anyone who will receive it. Yet in some cases, it's being held by people and systems who contribute to the hate and the division. And if we're ignoring those who are oppressed, and if we're ignoring the issues or perpetuating the problem, then brothers and sisters, we are part of that problem. Let's pray. Father, I want to start off by praying for everyone who is being affected by the virus of racism, hate, and division. Whether there are believers or not, they need to know that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Let them know that because you love them, you see them, you hear them, and you are answering their cries for help. And you are raising up those who have chosen to follow you to carry out the task. Father, please give them the strength to hold on. We pray for all brothers and sisters in Christ throughout the world. Although this may, this issue may bring about controversy, help us to remember that we're walking through this suffering together and that we are not one another's enemy, but that the enemy is the accuser of the brethren. We pray for those that are perpetuators of racism, hate, and division in their families and in their communities, especially if they're a believer. We pray that their hearts be convicted and softened by the truth. Father, we know that you're not a God of hate. You're not a God of division, oppression, and partiality. And your word reminds us that we have an obligation to hold one another up in truth and love. And if a brother or sister in Christ is caught in any transgression that is living a life that opposes God's principles and causes someone else to stumble, those who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness 
And if he refuses to listen, then we should tell the church. And if he still refuses to listen, even to the church, then we should have no religious communion with him. Help us to see that the ruin of a nation begins when no man reproves another. Father, it's hard for us to look one another in the face right now because we all have been carrying the shame and the wounds of our fathers and our forefathers. But those who love you are willing to do whatever it takes to change. So please help those of us who have made a conscious decision to not just pray, but to do what is right in your sight, not the sight of man. Help us to remember that since Christ suffered for us, we need to arm ourselves with the same purpose. Remind us that with this life comes suffering, no matter if we are believers or not. So since we can't escape it, let our suffering be for the will of God. Father, no one really wants to talk about it, not even Christians. Sometimes we get so caught up in this world that we forget that we are not of it. So remind us that the end of all things is at hand. And the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, I want you to stay tuned for the next episode of Praying the Word of God, where I focus on the second point I learned from uh, this discussion of church and racism, which is uh, moving forward involves us finding out what it is that we need to know. And for the next several days, as we go through this topic, there are two other in points that I wish they would have uh, brought up that because I thought it was very crucial um, to us moving forward. And there are two points I would have liked to see in the discussion, but we will talk about that as we move forward. And if you are a listener who's ready to help make changes and eliminate racism in America and within our system, you can text DEMANDS to 5516. Afterwards, you will receive information on the many ways you can help out. I went to it myself and there are countless things that you can do to help. Um, I've not chosen anything yet because I'm still looking through it and trying to figure out what I feel comfortable doing. So I encourage you to go check it out. And anyone who's used to tuning in to this podcast know that I've made a decision to no longer assume that everyone who tunes into this podcast 
have a relationship with Jesus Christ or have already received salvation through Jesus Christ. So for those of you who may be listening but are not followers of Christ and you are ready to receive him as your Lord and Savior or you're like the prodigal son, you used to consider yourself a follower but you feel like you've fallen away from the truth and you simply are ready to come back home, please pray this with me. Dear God, I know that I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. Your word teaches that in order to be saved, we must confess our sins, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and receive him as our Lord and Savior. I don't fully know or understand what all this means right now, but all I know is that I am ready to give my life and heart to something bigger and greater than me. So I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. I turn from my sins and I invite you to come into my heart and my life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Help me to draw closer to you in every way while I'm on this journey called life. In Jesus name, amen. Now, if you want to listen to more prayers, you know they're available on the Make Me Good Ground YouTube channel and all major podcasting platforms. You can also listen on iTunes, Google, Spotify, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Stitcher entitled Praying the Word of God. And if you know someone who will be encouraged by these prayers, simply share it. You can also follow me on Instagram at Praying the Word of God. And if you're someone who gave your life to Christ by praying the prayer of salvation with me today, please email me at prayingthewordofgod2020 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your story. Thank you and take care. Hello, welcome to Praying the Word of God. My name is Tay and I'm here to pray through the Word of God with you. Once again, I hope this message finds you well. I pray you're in good spirits and ready to sit with me in this moment to give a little time towards seeking God's face through devotion and prayer. A few days before we had any acknowledgement that the pandemic was sweeping through our nation, My daughter, Sulema, we call her Susu, had an incident where a bed fell on her. And my husband had it in such a way where it was propped up alongside a wall because he was getting ready to throw it away because it was broken. So Susu was running around the house playing with the dog. And as she ran past the area where the broken bed was, it fell on her. And as she tried to prop the bed back up against the wall, a splinter went straight through her thumb. My husband and I, we saw a little piece of the wood sticking out of her thumb. So we pulled it out and we thought everything was okay. But days went by, you know, and Susu was still saying she was in excruciating pain, but we couldn't see anything. So we just thought the swelling was from her running into the bed really hard. Well, a week went by and the swelling never went away. So I took her to the doctor and he actually had to lift her nail bed to see if there were 
any pieces of the wood that was causing um, her thumb to uh, be inflamed and that was causing the pain. Now, although it was painful for her, we found that the issue wasn't even in her nail bed because the swelling was closer to her knuckle. So her doctor said she needed to go see a specialist because she may have jammed her thumb or something. So I took her to go see a specialist and he took an x-ray of her thumb and he did not find anything. There was no fracture, nothing broken in any way. So he told me that she was experiencing something normal, especially if her doctor had to lift her nail bed. And he told me to just bathe her thumb in some Epsom salt and the swelling would go down in a few days. So another week went by of me trying to nurse her thumb. And you guys, it was so painful for me to watch my baby try to keep a brave face for us. And, you know, people even kept saying it looked better. But I knew something was still there. It may not have been underneath her nail bed. It may not have shown up in the x-rays. But I seen the pain all over my baby's face. So I had to get a little more assertive. And, uh, and, you know, insist that she be seen again. So the doctor, who was very kind to us, he warned me that he'd have to cut down through her thumb to the swelling to see what the problem is. So I let him know, you know, then that's what we have to do. And lo and behold, the doctor found a huge piece of wood located between the end of her nail bed and the knuckle of her thumb now imagine if I ignored what I was sensing from my baby imagine how much longer she would have been in pain and although her thumb you know is one of the smallest parts of her body she could have lost it all because no one sensed her pain and no one could see it And, you know, I feel the same way about this issue of racism. We know that there are things from our past that have contributed to it. But there's still something in it that's causing the swelling within small pockets of our community. But if we see the swelling and still assume there's no issue because we can't feel it or we can't see it. We will be somewhat contributors of some people falling away. And just like Susu's thumb, some would contribute this issue to a small part or a small minority. But is it not just as important? Or are we okay with losing it? You know, we all want to heal. I really believe that. 
We all want to grow. We all want the best for our families and our communities and our countries. But healing is going to require us to go down deeper to the things that our naked eye can't see. Just like Susu's thumb, some things simply have to be cut open to find out that some parts of the issue have been taken out at a surface level, but there's still a remnant of that same object that is contributing to the swelling and the pain. Now, with that being said, while listening to Bishop T.D. Jakes and his panelists, I found that moving forward not only involves facing the truth, but with that, we need to find out what it is that we need to know about our history that contributed to this issue so that we can move forward as a country and as the body of Christ. And one of the things we need to know is that Christianity and all religions are the shapers of our societies. And it is true, religion has always played a significant role in how we see morality and integrity. In fact, most of our government leaders in America receive their counsel from Christian leaders. We may not see a pastor in the White House or as a uh, governor, but they are people of influence. And people of influence are always connected to people of power. Now, throughout this discussion, they kept emphasizing something that we all need to understand in moving forward. And that is the issues we clearly see within the black communities should not be ignored. It is an issue and I will personally address this later on. But we also need to know that those same problems exist wherever there's poverty, not wherever there's blackness. But the narrative of all things black is bad has always been spun, especially throughout the media and entertainment. You know, I was talking to a sister in Christ who happens to be white just a few days ago, and She let me know that she, like many other white Americans, grew up in a family and community who were sweet and nice, but still prejudiced against blacks. Even though she had never met a black person until she became an adult and moved away from her community. And you know, that puzzled me. So I asked her, If you never grew up with black people, how could you have a distrust or a dislike for them? And she said mostly everything that she was taught about black people came from watching the news and movies and sitcoms. Huh. Interesting. Even if you don't see it in your communities and in your churches, it's still right up under our noses. 
And the concept of dehumanization and racism is woven into the fabric of our systems and therefore shapes how we view one another. And it shapes how we view ourselves. And it is true. You see it in our legal systems, the way people are policed. You see it in our education systems. You see it in our healthcare systems. And yes, you see it even in the church. Because of my professional background, I still spend a lot of time studying empirical research material. And, you know, there is a lot of studies that expose racial biases in pain assessment and treatment recommendations that come from false beliefs about biological differences between blacks and whites. And these biases and belief systems, they are still shaping our healthcare systems. And, you know, I've experienced this in my own life, you know, in my personal life. <laughs> um, I was pregnant with my second child, Susu, and I had decided to have her at a different hospital than I had my my um, oldest child. Because I just wanted, I heard good things about it and I just kind of wanted to experience it. And um, when it came time to deliver my baby, I was telling the two nurses that I was in excruciating pain. And the pain had become so unbearable that I let out a guttural yelp. <laughs> and the two nurses that was in there happened to be white. And they just laughed at me while I was in labor and delivery and excruciating pain and I was so embarrassed and ashamed and I didn't understand why they were was taking their time and 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 chuckling and it kind of did hurt my feelings and you know I spent a lot of time also with people who are not from America and have been privileged enough to have intimate conversations with them and oftentimes I've been told that black American men and women are viewed in a not so good light and even dehumanized in their own countries and from the onset of them landing on American soil there is a particular not so good perception about black Americans so Without even going into detail, we can see who else is contributing to this notion of, you know, black is bad and white is good, right? You know, even as a black woman, I thought this way for most of my childhood throughout the early part of my adulthood. I'm sorry, even up until the early parts of my uh, uh, adult life. So... This same narrative is being perpetuated, not just in white communities, but in black communities also, because I grew up in in, in an impoverished community uh, most of my life. And for me personally, for a long time, I thought we were our biggest problem because all I seen growing up were black people hurting other black people while other groups despised us. 
And I really don't believe I am the only one who's had the same experience. And these experience, uh, experiences shaped our beliefs until we continued to get, our, get exposure. And we found out otherwise. And you know, when we know this, we can begin to acknowledge that the distinct dehumanization of blacks are woven into our constitutions. For starters, at one point, black Americans were written in as only three-fifths of a human when determining a state's total population for legislative representation. And it was called the three-fifth compromise plan. So this meant that only three out of every five slaves were counted as people for this purpose. So this actually gave a disproportionate representation of slave states in the House of Representatives and Southern states. They actually had an unfair advantage on the presidency. Now, I believe it can be argued that other things were put in place to overturn things like this, such as the 14th Amendment. And that's true. But we also have to acknowledge the historical pattern of our system that implements more discriminatory and debilitating ordinances right after something is put into place to bring liberation and equality for us. For example, although the 14th Amendment repealed the Three-Fifth Compromise Plan, there was still a series of laws, new constitutions, and practices deliberately used to hinder Black progression. And these same laws actually are still alive in some shape, form, or fashion. Just like it was necessary for the doctor to cut deeper beyond the surface of Sulema's thumb to find out where the issue was and what was, the, what was still causing her swelling, we all need to do the same when it comes to racism in America and hate and division and oppression. And once again, please don't take my word for it. Even if you don't think that this is an issue for you, please do your research. Find out what laws and practices are in place currently in your communities that encourage hate, racism, and oppression. You know, Bishop T.D. Jakes brought up an issue with technology that I had no idea was even a thing. He said that the new face recognition features on uh, the newer phones are having trouble recognizing black faces and black features because they're different, obviously, than the faces it was designed for. So phone companies that have this new feature have been working on getting their phones to recognize us. We have the money for it, we buy it, and they don't recognize us. People who are not affected by racism 
don't have a problem recognizing our struggle because the system was designed with you in mind. It's designed for you to be seen, heard, and recognized. And this is exactly what Bishop T.D. Jake said. And you know, although our American systems are not fully designed with us in mind, he also emphasized, and which is so true, we still have to figure out ways to operate in it as Black Americans. And for those of you who may be having a hard time recognizing the Black American struggle, even in our churches, this is why. We always have to figure out how to operate in a system that was not designed with us in mind. But together, we can change that. And I want to let you guys know, racism is not going anywhere. Racism is a repeat offender. And ignoring it or playing it down will not make life for any of us better. And I want to keep saying that I am aware that what I'm saying is difficult for all of us to receive. And quite frankly, that's why some who are able to look away will look away. And I'm also aware that we're all hurting. I don't think the issue of racism and hate for a fellow brother and sister in humanity is just one person's issue. So I agree with the panelists who all said in some way that we need to remain vigilant so we can recognize where we keep going wrong. Then we need to do the work we need to do to bring about change. So I want us to reflect back on the story of the Good Samaritan and figure out what role we as individuals have been playing versus the role we should play as the church. I've even been looking in my own life and I see the role I play in racism and oppression And I'll talk about that a little later in another part of this message. It's easy for us to see the issues people face in other countries and in other religions. But guess what? Now we have to start addressing some issues in our own home. And when we look at the perpetual oppression and abuse of a people group here in America, who does Jesus tell us we need to be like? In this parable, we find a man who has been stripped and beaten nearly half to death. Then we find a priest, a man obligated to perform works of mercy who sees the man but walks right by him 
Then we see a Levite. Someone who was known for performing the same service as an act of public worship. Saw the man then made it his business to walk away from the man and walk on the opposite side of the road. Then you have a man, a non-religious man, I might add. He had no religious obligation to do what was right. He was not related to this dying man in any way. But you know, it was something about seeing another human being bleeding half to death on the side of the road that moved him with compassion. So I ask again, which one are we? Let's pray. Father, Everything from our history to our obligation as believers to the role we play as individuals lay heavy on all of our hearts today. Abba, we need you. Those who believe in you also profess to love you. But how often we forget that our love for you will be tested by how we treat others. Father, as we seek you for the roles we need to play as your name bearers, please show us mercy as we show one another mercy. Give us grace as we offer grace to one another and strengthen us to do what is right in your eyes as we carry out the kind of change that reflects us as the light of this world and the salt of this earth. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you are a listener who's ready to help make changes and eliminate racism in America and within your own systems, you can text DEMANDS to 5516. And afterwards, you will receive information on many of the ways that you can help out. So I encourage you to go check it out. And I want you to stay tuned for the next episode of the uh, Praying the Word of God, this special edition, where I focus on the third point I learned from this discussion of the church and racism, which is moving forward involves us looking at the current systems that are perpetuating racism. And anyone who knows me know that I don't want to assume that you have already given your life to Christ or that you're already saved. So if you're ready to take that next step, please pray this prayer with me. Father, I know that I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. Your word teaches that in order to be saved, we must confess our sins, believe on the Lord Jesus, and receive him as our Lord and Savior. 
I may not fully know or understand what all this means, but all I know is that I'm ready to give my life and heart to something bigger and greater than me. So I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, and I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. I turn from my sins, and I invite you to come into my heart and into my life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Father, help me to draw closer to you in every way while I'm on this journey called life. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you want to listen to more prayers, they're available on the Make Me Good Ground YouTube channel and all major podcasting platforms. You can also listen on iTunes, Google, Spotify, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Stitcher, entitled Praying the Word of God. If you know someone who will be encouraged by these prayers and devotionals, simply share it. You can also follow me on Instagram at Praying the Word of God. And if you're someone who gave your life to Christ by praying the prayer of salvation with me today, email me at prayingthewordofgod2020 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your story. Thank you and take care.